Good morning. Thank you all for letting me let Mac and Julie have a little break this morning and indulging us. I know we, ask, we, we do that every time, but um, we haven't gotten enough letters of complaint to stop doing it, so thank you, thank you for your indulgence. Um, if, if you've been with us a few weeks, you know that we are studying the art of prayer, that is, how to pray. And Mac told us that first week he introduced the lesson, he goes, you know, the studies show that most of us pray. Uh, most of us will say things like, look, I will pray for you. You're in my thoughts and prayers. Or if you're going through a tough time, pray for me. But, but we really sometimes hadn't really stopped and thought about how to pray. How is it that we're supposed to do this thing called prayer? And Mac told us in the first week, he said, look, it's got a, a template behind it. And, and, and first, we should make it personal. You, you got to make it genuine. It's got to be your prayer. And it's got to be personal to you. And it's got to be relational because this is our conversation with the Almighty. Communication is at the base of our relationship with spouses, husband and wives, and families, parents to children, children to parents, schools, students to teachers, teachers to students, work, work associates, bosses, subordinates. All of that is based on communication. That's how we relate to each other. But this relationship with God is foundationally based on prayer. That is how we relate to him. So it's got to be relational and therefore intimate. And then Mac told us that we got to make it intentional. Intentional. It's got to be consistent. God is not Santa Claus. You don't just show up once a year and you ask him for what you want. It's got to be a daily and consistent thing. And then he gave us a prayer. A, a, a playbook. And the playbook was the acronym PRAY. During our prayer time, when we stop and pray, we're to praise God, we're to repent, we're to ask, and we're to yield. That is the playbook that we're given on how to pray. Now, we're going to go into this playbook a bit, and we're going to run some plays. And we're going to talk a little bit about this repenting and asking. And this Sunday, we're in the area of prayer called forgiveness. Forgiveness. Now, normally, when we're going to talk about a Bible verse, we put it up on the screen so everybody can see it. Anybody didn't bring a Bible, whatever, we put it on the screen so everybody can see it. I'm not doing that this morning for a very specific reason. The part of the Bible, the part of the prayer that we're going to talk about this morning, and we've been discussing the Lord's Prayer. If you grew up in a Catholic church, you might call it the Our Father. The part that we're going to talk about this morning, I would like to um, illustrate. So what we're going to do is we're going to recite the Lord's Prayer all together. If you know it, recite it. If you don't know it, listen, because that is also illustrative of what we're going to talk about this morning. But we've got one little caveat. When I say stop, I want everybody to stop, and then I'm going to ask a question and take a little survey, okay? All right, so here we go. All together, our Father who art in heaven, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. This day, our daily bread, forgive us. Stop! How many of you were going to say debts? How many? 
All of y'all are going straight to heaven. You don't have to worry. You, you can skip the final exam. You're in. You're done. How many of you were going to say trespasses? We got some counseling available for you in the blue tent. You can still get in, but it's going to take a little work. How many of you were going to say transgressions or something like that? We got no help for you. I'm sorry. You're on your own. So did y'all notice the cadence as we were saying it? It was sort of a sing-song cadence. Everybody who's learned it or committed it to memory says it with sort of a certain cadence. In my family, we grew up reciting the Lord's Prayer every Sunday morning. We, we, we had prayer every day of the week. We had prayer before every meal. But Sunday morning was a special time. And in our family, growing up, my dad would have a child recite the Lord's Prayer, and the rest of the family would follow along in repetition. So the child would say, Our Father. And then the rest of the family would say, Our Father. And then the child would say, Who art in heaven? And the rest of the family would say, Who art in heaven? Like that, all right? And every child had to take turns to make sure every child knew how to recite the Lord's Prayer. So Johnita and I continued that in our family. On Sunday morning, before breakfast, we would have each child recite the Lord's Prayer once they got of age, and we would repeat in repetition after the child recited it. All of the children are grown. We are empty nesters now. So what Johnita and I do is we just recite it together on Sunday morning, just like we were doing as this congregation. Now, that works fine with she and I because we've agreed that debt is just the word that we're going to say. Forgive us our debts. We, we made an agreement on that. We made a pact. We have people that visit us at the ranch, particularly when we have large gatherings, and we can have sometimes 15, 20, 30 people all standing around the breakfast table reciting the Lord's Prayer. Some of those people are misguided. And when we get to the part of the Lord's Prayer where we say, forgive us our, some people say trespasses, some people say debt. And then we, as we forgive those who, some people say trespass against us, others who say forget, forgive our debtors. And so the sing song, the, the symphony gets all messed up. It's like somebody threw a monkey wrench in the orchestra because we're all saying different things at different times and we don't come back together until Amen. And then there are these looks, you know, and then we got people talking to you like, you know, you Catholics, y'all got it all wrong. And you know, a Baptist, you know, y'all. Causes a little confusion. Well, actually, there, there, there is some misunderstanding about this thing called forgiveness of debts, trespasses, transgressions. You see, the forgiveness of our debts, trespasses, transgressions is the foundation of our spiritual belief. If you are a Christ follower, forgiveness is everything. And without it, nothing else matters. If there is no forgiveness, we have no faith. If the forgiveness doesn't count, everything else is lost. We might as well just go home. Everybody go get a mimosa and go home and relax. Because this is the foundation of our belief and what we do. So what we're going to talk about is how we take this playbook that Mac has given us and the words of Jesus Christ as he told his disciples and all of his followers at that sermon 
This is how you pray. These are the words you use when you pray. Jesus wasn't limiting us to the specific words he used that are recorded in red letters in the Bible. As Whitney Wiseman told us last week, we're to take these words and we are to build up on them. And as Max says, make them personal. We're to take these words and make them our own and incorporate them into our lives. We're to take the playbook and go run the play in our lives. We're to build up on it. Like, I learned to drive a 1964 Chevy pickup truck. Stick shift. That's how I learned. I was about eight years old. I couldn't see over the steering wheel. I had to look through the steering wheel. And then I drove tractors. And then I had to learn how to drive the truck with the trailer on the back with produce or hay or whatever. And then I had to learn to drive the truck with cattle, a cattle trailer on the back. Then I had to learn to drive a tractor with equipment on the back. But all of it was based on that foundational thing I learned on how to drive a stick shift 1964 Chevy pickup truck with the clutch and the brake and the accelerator and you got to mash in on the clutch and then shift the gears and then ease up off the clutch, push in on the accelerator. And you can't just hit the brake. You've got to hit the brake and the clutch. If you hit the brake, the truck doesn't die. You have to learn all these things on how to learn to drive a 1964 Chevy pickup truck. By the time I was 16, 17 years old, I had a brother-in-law that drove an 18-wheeler. And he took me on a run with him. And we emptied the load, and he said, you want to drive? And I thought, yeah, why not? So I got behind the wheel of an 18-wheeler. The concepts were essentially the same. Stick shift, clutch, brake, gas. But he taught me that there are a few little tricks that you got to add to what you learn as an eight or nine-year-old child. So we're learning the basics from Jesus's ministry and what Jesus taught us, forgive us our debts. But there's more that we have to add on to that so that one day we can drive an 18-wheeler. And by the way, just a side note, there's nothing that will cause testosterone to course through your body like manning a chainsaw, cutting down or cutting up a tree, shooting a gun, or driving an 18-wheeler. I'm just saying. That'll do it every time. Let's take a deep dive into forgiveness. The first thing that we have to do, there are four things that we're going to cover today. We have to acknowledge the need for forgiveness. We have to ask for forgiveness. We have to accept the forgiveness, and then we have to act like we've been forgiven. Let's start with the first one. Acknowledge the need for forgiveness. 1 John 1.9 says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. If we confess our sins, the first thing we got to do is confess our transgressions. Confess that which displeases God. And there's a couple of problems with confession of sin. The first problem is pride. And pride comes out in the form of, you know, I'm not perfect, but I'm pretty good. That's pride. You see, I'm better than my brother. I'm better than my cousin. I'm better than my sister. I'm, I'm, I'm better than my neighbor who never goes to church. I'm, I'm better than those people who don't even show back up here at church live. I'm, I'm pretty good. So it's real hard to confess stuff when you're just so perfect. 
isn't it? The other problem with confession of sin is blindness. We don't see what it is that we've done wrong. We don't see. And sometimes blindness is just because we've been misguided. Maybe we've been influenced by people who believe that you just gather energy from the universe and you'll be good. Maybe we were taught wrong. Maybe we weren't brought up in a, in a house where mom and dad took us to church and taught us these foundational Christian beliefs. And so I, I, I don't even know what's right and what's wrong. Maybe it's cultural. We're, we're, you live in a culture where some things are accepted as okay and some things are not. And so when you get down on your knees to ask for forgiveness, you might be thinking in terms of the culture within which you live. If everybody else is doing it, then it must not be something I need to confess. And that is why when we do our prayer life and we're on our knees with this relationship with God, we ask him for his guidance on where we need to confess. David probably says it best when he says in Psalms 139, search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Search me. I, I, n- n- not just know me. I want you to search me. Reach in there and find out what it is that I'm doing that displeases you and reveal it to me so I can confess it. Because if I don't acknowledge that I need to confess, then it's, diff- it's going to be difficult to confess it, isn't it? So we have to acknowledge, confess our transgressions, and ask God to search us and search out those things that are not pleasing to him. And when we do that, we know that we can count on his faithfulness because in John 1, 9, it says, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins, and he will cleanse us purify us from all unrighteousness. And why is that important? Because we cannot go before him unless we are purified and cleansed. And much like a Boy Scout trip I took with my son when we went to Philmont and did an eight-day hike, we only got one shower on that hike. By the time we finished it, trust me, we were gamey. But do you know what? Among those in our troops, we were fine. We, we, we all smelled the same. It was not until we got back to base camp where the new troops were coming in with their fresh T-shirts that had their troop name on it. They hadn't even worn before this trip. It wasn't until we got around them that we realized the extent of our uncleanliness. And we have to be forgiven so we can have this relationship with God. And he promises us in John that he will cleanse us if we ask. The second thing that we have to do is ask for forgiveness. Once we realize the need for, then we have to ask for forgiveness. God has two wills. One is an unconditional will. And God's unconditional will, he will accomplish. No conditions. If he wills it to be, it will be, with or without our intervention. But then he also has a conditional will. And God's conditional will 
is there. It's ready to go, but it is only activated upon something you or something that I do. And that's why we have to ask. He's saying, I'm faithful. I am prepared to forgive. I am, I am here and, and, and make this available, but you have to ask for forgiveness. And once you do, it's done. Now, that's different than perhaps our daily lives and our relationship with each other, where sometimes to be forgiven or whatever, you got to, there may be some other conditions attached to it. A few weeks ago, John Eden and I were at the ranch, and we were planting some grass in the front yard, and so we had to dig up the old grass and the grass burrs and weeds and put the, stuff, put the forks in the back of the tractor to drag that stuff up, and what we decided to do was to make a pile of the old dirt and weeds and grass burrs, and after we finished with the yard, we were going to take that pile out to some place out in the pasture that needed some erosion protection. But we had to make the pile until we finished the yard. Well, the first night we made this pile, we come in, it's after dark, and I feel around in my pocket, and I said, oh, you're not going to believe this. She goes, what? I said, I lost my cell phone. She goes, maybe it's in the front yard. I took the flashlight out, looked in the front yard, no cell phone. I had a sneaking suspicion where this phone was. So I pull out the iPad, did to find my phone, and sure enough, it found my phone. And you know where it was? In that pile of dirt, grass, weeds, and muck that we had piled. And at this point in time, the pile was about four and a half feet tall. Well, the next morning, I had to go pick up the grass, the zoysia grass that we were going to plant. And I needed a cell phone on my trip. So I had to borrow my wife's phone, and then she had to go through the pile to find my phone. <laughs> yeah, yeah. After several hours of digging through dirt and weeds and grass burrs and muck, uh, at almost the very bottom of the pile, she found my cell phone. Now, I, I think she'll probably forgive me for that at some point in the future. I think, but I'm pretty sure there are going to be conditions tied to it. I'm pretty sure it's going to cost me something. God's forgiveness is done deal, but we have to ask. And in order to ask, we have to realize and acknowledge what we need to confess. But then we have to accept the forgiveness. In Luke 23, 34, Luke verses, uh, chapter 23, verse 34, this is something that is said. Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. And they divided up his clothes by casting lots. Now, we're getting ready for the Easter season. And everybody knows that knows anything about biblical scripture that this is Jesus speaking from the cross, one of the several statements he made from the cross as they were crucifying him. He said, forgive them, for they do not know what they're doing. Forgiveness requires not only asking, but then we have to accept it. We have to accept it. There needs to be a specific act of acceptance. Now, there's a reason that the verse that follows Jesus' statement of Father, forgive them for what they're doing, that the next sentence says they divided up his clothes they cast dice to see who was going to get his clothes. So what does that mean? 
What that means is forgiveness is available to all. All are forgiven, but not all will accept the forgiveness. And they didn't accept the forgiveness because they didn't think they were doing anything wrong. And then um, there, there was, when I was a lawyer with a law firm here in town, we had a client, Samsung, that came over from uh, South Korea to visit with us about a facility they were put, putting in Maynard, Texas. And when we, uh, before we met with them, we, we had our chief protocol officer at the firm sit down with us in a conference room. There were about five of us that were going to go to dinner that night to entertain these folks from South Korea. And one of the people was the person who was the head of, of Samsung America. So he was from South Korea, but he was in charge of everything that Samsung does in America. <clears throat> and our protocol officer sat down with us and said, look, uh, in the Asian and particularly South Korean culture, when you meet this evening at dinner and you exchange cards, there is a very specific thing you're supposed to do when you exchange cards. You don't just take the card that's given to you, stick it in your jacket pocket or stick it in your purse. You, you, you take the card, you look at it, you acknowledge that you're looking at it, and then you read something from the card and you say something to them about what you read on the card because that's what they're going to do to your card. So here's how it works. If, if I were to give my card to a representative from Samsung from South Korea, they would take my card and they would say, ah, I see you are a partner with a law firm. And I would say, yes, I am. And they might say, well, so how long have you been a partner? And I would say, well, I've been a partner for three years. Ah, very good. And then I'm supposed to say, oh, I see you are head of international development. Um, does that mean you cover America as well as other countries or just America? And then they would respond back to, me, back to me. It's not just an exchange of information. You have to demonstrate that you have accepted this card, that you have accepted who they are, and you show them by acknowledging something that you've read from that card. And that's what we are to do. We, we have to accept God's forgiveness. How do we do that? Well, that's the last thing we cover. You have to act like you've been forgiven. Matthew 26, 28. This blood, this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. Now, we know that this is Jesus' words the night before he was crucified. And he's explaining to his disciples that I am going to spill blood tomorrow. And the reason I am going to spill my blood tomorrow is for the forgiveness of sins. I, I'm, I'm not going to spill blood for entertainment purposes tomorrow. My blood is going to spill all over a cross for the specific purpose of forgiveness of our sins. Now, if that's why Christ did what he did, 
And if we have acknowledged our sins, and if we have accepted the forgiveness, we ought to act like it. How? Tangible acts, like giving. That is an act of worship. It, it, it's not show. It, it's not a requirement to get into heaven. It is a tangible act to show that I've been forgiven. So I am going to give so that we can further the kingdom of heaven one life at a time. I want somebody else to get in on this. It is an act that shows we've been forgiven. Showing up, showing up in the house so you can hug somebody's neck, so you can get a hug when you need one. That's an act that shows I've been forgiven. It's tangible. You can see it. You can feel it. You can touch it. Serving others. The church needs people to serve, whether in the parking lot or in the children's ministry or in the musicians, if you're a musician, or any of the other talents that you might have. Give that up to the church. Why? Because I want, I can't help it. I got to show somebody that I've been forgiven. If Jesus spilled his blood for me, the least I can do is show somebody that 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 has happened by an act of showing up, serving, or giving. How about my tongue? The words I use ought to show that I've been forgiven. You know, it's, it's pretty easy to just to send out a snarky tweet in response to somebody else's snarky tweet. But if we've been forgiven, then we, we don't do that. That's not the way we operate. Well, my dad talked to my mom this way. But if we've been forgiven, then we don't talk to our wives that way, men. Well, my mom manipulated my dad this way. But if we've been forgiven, we we don't do that, wives to husbands. Well, I treat my children that way because that's the way I was brought up. But if we've been forgiven, we don't treat our children that way. Yeah, but my friends talk to their parents that way. But if we've been forgiven, children, we don't talk to our parents that way. You see, it should be reflected not only tangibly, not only with our tongue, but also the way we think. The way we think. When I watch hockey, I don't know how to think about hockey. I just don't. I got nothing against hockey. I love it. I'll watch it. I don't know that much about soccer, where I go get my hair cut. They have the World Cup on, and they have these soccer teams. Let me tell you what I think about when I watch soccer or hockey. Is the ball going into the net, or is the hockey puck going into the net? That's pretty much it. I don't know and understand the strategy behind it. Now, football, I know a little bit about football. I can't tell you I can coach the Dallas Cowboys. Well, maybe I can coach the Dallas Cowboys, but anyway. (laughs) (laughs) but I know football and I can look at a football game and I can see and understand the strategy I think differently about the game I don't just wait for somebody to cross the goal line 
or to kick the ball through the upright. I can look at it and go, man, they're, they're blitzing linebackers. Oh, or I can see what the quarterback's doing, or I can see what the line's doing. I had a son that played quarterback. I had another son that played on the line. I can tell you what's going on strategy. I can sometimes even anticipate what the next play's going to be. If we've been forgiven, we think differently about everything. We see it with a different eye. Our outlook in everything that we do, how we interact, how we think, how we relate, how we speak. And maybe if we do those things, we can change the lives of someone else. This week, I got something in the mail that was completely unexpected. When I got it, I almost threw it away because I thought it was a you know, marketing piece. And then I read it. And what it is, is a dog visa card. Well, it's a visa card with a picture of a dog on it. Johnita and I rescued a dog about a year and three months ago. Brown Lab, uh, a brown Doberman, came up to us at the ranch, starving, worms. She was in bad shape. We took her in, we fed her, took her to the vet, gave her warming tablets. We do these routine things. Well, apparently, somebody, I think my vet, must have turned our name in to whoever because we got a $25 Visa card with the picture of a dog on it because of some product. And here's what it says. This is what the little letter I got. I'm going to read it to you. This is not a credit card or a credit card offer. You have received this card because you participated in a loyalty award promotion or rebate program. I didn't know I had. How to use your card. Activate at myprepaidcenter.com, swipe as a credit, and use before expiration date printed on card. And then they tell you if the value is $25. And I look at the date on the card, and I have to use it before September of 2022. We have been forgiven. It's already done. Price has already been paid. It's a free gift card. But it must be activated. Now, if I never activate that card, that's 25 bucks gone down the drain unused. We all have an expiration date. And the expiration date is different for each one of us. But until then, if we can just claim our prize, it's a free gift. for being made in the image of God. You're going to take your card and use it or you're going to throw it in the trash can.
Let's end with a word of prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for this word of forgiveness that you've given us in your son's prayer, the prayer that he told us to make to you. And Father, you're so wonderful and great and gracious and graceful. We, we don't even know sometimes how to, how to accept this wonderful gift. So for those of us who, who have accepted your gift of salvation and grace, Father, help us to examine our lives every day so that we can understand where we fall short. Confess it, repent, turn from it, ask your forgiveness for it, and move on living lives that are pleasing to you. And Father, if, if there's any among us that have not taken that step, that, that initial step of asking for forgiveness of sins, that initial step of turning our lives over to you for our salvation so that we can begin this relationship of prayer, so that we can begin this relationship, this intentional and intimate relationship with you. If there's, if there's any among us that have not done that yet, Father, help us to understand that now is the time that it's a free gift. It's available to all. And all you have to do is activate it. That simple. And the activation is simple. Just, just pray this prayer. If this is the first time you've done that, just say, Father, I'm, I have sinned. And I have fallen short. And I'm asking for your forgiveness. And I believe that my sins have been paid for by the price of the blood of Jesus Christ. And I turn my life over to him. And that's it. It's done. And if there's any among us who made that prayer, we're here to support you. We're not here to harass you. We're here to support and pull alongside and to help you understand what the next steps are. And if you've made that prayer, we have something that we do here at this church. We celebrate that with you. You raise your hand to show today is this day. Today is my day. Today is the day that I've given it all to God. And so we ask that you do that. Raise your hand to make it tangible as we discussed earlier. That says, I accept my free gift. And as you raise your hand, after the service, there'll be people at the blue tent, out the blue awning out front. Walk up to someone there and tell them that today is the day I accepted Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. And then they'll tell you what to do next. And as you continue with your hands raised, we have this thing that we do where we celebrate that at this church. And as you put your hands down, we put our hands together and say, welcome home.